We thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit so that we can understand your word, to walk in your word, to do your word, to understand exactly the will that you have for us in this life that we're living in. Thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for all that you continue to do. And we pray that as this word goes forth, that it will penetrate the hearts, fortify the believers, and keep us moving according to your will. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. This word that I have for today um, is going to, really, it's going to shake the foundation, the pillars, the groundwork for the enemy. It's going to really go against what Satan has been doing for many years. You know, we're going to tear down his kingdom tonight with this truth. And we're going to go over several scriptures and outline some facts about the truth of Satan. The stuff we don't hear about, never heard about, and probably won't ever hear about in our main stream churches and media groups and just different things that, you know, really put on more of a show than bring forth the word of God. And the first thing I want to talk about is I've heard people ask this question. I've actually had that question asked to me is that can a demon say the name of Jesus? Right. And the re re when I hear this question asked, it's usually in the idea that many people believe that only a Christian, someone who say they believe in Jesus, someone who, you know, has come into this faith, only a Christian can say the name of Jesus. And this is one of the most deceiving ideas that Satan has perpetuated into the body of believers, into the church or these church institutions, that anybody who says Jesus is obviously not uh, demon-possessed, they're not walking in some type of uh, iniquity or whatever the case may be, that really those are the, those who, who can't say it are, are unbelievers or anti-Christ, if you will, anti-Christians. But we're going to go to Mark 5, verse 6, and we're going to read about, this is right when Jesus told his disciples, let's get in the boat, let's go to the other side. They was hit with a massive storm. And when they arrived, they saw a man who was in a graveyard that was demon possessed. And this man was so warped in his mind that he wasn't able to control himself. In fact, no one could actually control him. They couldn't bind him because he was just that crazy. He was, you know, he had probably the worst mental health condition anyone could even think of. Uh, and in Matthew 5, verse 6, it says that, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Now listen to this, all right? He ran and he worshiped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. So Jesus was talking to this guy and he said, you know, the guy, the guy was talking to uh, Jesus and he, he said, you know, I know you're the son of God. You're the son of the most high. Your name is Jesus. He said, I implore you. I beg you. He said, don't torment me. All right. And 
he goes on, Jesus goes on to say, uh, for he said to him, come out of this man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? Here's a part that just will probably blow your mind if you haven't read this before. He answers saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. So the demons wanted to stay in that country. I guess they were having a blast. They didn't want to go anywhere else. But here's the thing. Jesus said, what is your name? He wasn't talking to the man. He was talking to the demon. The same demon who called him Jesus, son of the most high God. See, a lot of us have this idea because we grow up in these church institutions. We've been a part of these groups where only Christians can say Jesus. Well, that's not true. This is a clear cut example of how people who may look like believers, they may act like believers, they may even speak like believers, could actually be a demon-possessed person. They were legions. As he said, he said, for we are many. And if you know what a legion is, it's about 6,000. It's actually a name for an army, right? 6,000, I believe it is. This man was possessed with 6,000 demons, and they knew and were able to say the name of Jesus. They even knew the authority in which he had. That's why they begged him not to torment him. This is so important because if we don't recognize this, we think that anybody that comes before us and speak, preach, pray, sing, minister, evangelize, just because they say Jesus don't mean they represent the Jesus you are claiming to follow, that you say you follow. They know who they are. And if you even look at the story where Jesus was in the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days, right after he got out, he had a showdown with Satan and Satan knew exactly who he was. He said, aren't you the son of God? So don't get it twisted. We The, the, the demons know Jesus and they know his name and they can say it. So that, that's very important to understand. And here's what we also need to understand. Who actually rules this world? And I've talked to so many Christians who say, well, you know what? God is sovereign. He's in control, so I'm not worried about it. So if all these things happen in the world, you know, God is sovereign and he's He's sitting on the highest throne and he knows what's going on. So we don't have to really do anything because he knows the end from the beginning. But there is actually a evil force that is working all day, every day that runs this world. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 12, he said, but what I do, I will also continue to do that I might cut off the opportunity for those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things which they boast. And here's who he's talking about. He said, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And then he goes on to say, and no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. He says, so therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transforms themselves into ministers of righteousness 
whose end will be according to their works. Paul understood this, that for one, Satan has infiltrated what we call today church. And he's used fake apostles, false apostles, people who are deceitful workers. He used them to show up to look almost like the light of Christ. And they're in these groups, these organizations, and they're running things crazy. It may look, it may not look like it, but when you go back and you read the word of God and how the new uh, church was established after Christ Jesus uh, was here, he did his ministry, the first century church, you, you will see that a lot of what happens in churches today don't even line up with the word of God. Most of them are just shows that appease and appeal the flesh. They appeal to our emotions and our, you know, our feelings. I was talking to someone earlier today and, and I had pointed out how I had met a, an individual that went to this church where they said this church is on the move. They're on, they're on a mighty move for God. People are getting set free. They're getting healed. And I was like, man, that sounds interesting. So, you know, and I'm always, as the Bible says, testing every spirit because I want to know, is this real? Is this true? Or is this another facade? So one thing he explains to me that just kind of rubbed me wrong was that uh, those who are in this church, when they come to get set free, the, it says that they vomit, they're throwing up. He said that they were having all these type of weird things happen to them because their demons were leaving their body. And I had to go back to scripture to see where does that even line up? Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit can move and do certain things that some of us can't understand and agree with. But here's the problem. It was three or four gentlemen who were all part of this congregation of people being, uh, quote unquote, set free. And during this conversation, each of them had brought up the fact that they were all dealing with some type of sickness. And I thought, well, if you're going to a church that is setting people free from a variety of sicknesses and diseases, mental health issues, but yet you who are being advocates from the church are suffering from the very same things that other people are being set free from, then there's something wrong with that picture. There's, it's, it doesn't seem to be truthful. But at the end of the day, Satan knows how to appeal to the flesh of a person. All this getting up and dancing, turn around, falling out in church and all these different kind of things people do. Those are acts of the flesh and not of the spirit because the spirit is not going to make you look like a fool and he's not going to make you hurt yourself or someone else. And this is, like I said, one of the most important things to realize because if we don't look at it, we'll think, wow, this looks like his, God's moving. He's doing things. But when you look at when Jesus Christ had healed and set multitudes free, you never hear of anybody falling out on the floor. You don't hear of them vomiting. None of that equates to scripture and how Jesus set you free. But let's go back to where it talked about Satan himself, trans Satan for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Let's go back to this part. Because this is important to realize. What is an angel of light? All right. If you read in Isaiah 
14, verse 12, you said we find out that Satan actually once controlled the light. It says that, how have you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground? You who weaken the nations. And there was a time when Satan, when he was being obedient and he was still in heaven, God had appointed him over the morning. The morning is the light. That's when the sun comes up, when it rises. And Satan, even though he lost his place in heaven, he never lost his ability. He never lost the gift that God gave him. And on a side note, if you are ever going through something and you make a decision that doesn't look like what God has called you to do or you're disobeying him, listen, you may lose that position. You may have to suffer and go through something, but whatever gift he gave you, whether it's to prophesy, to preach, to teach, whatever it is, you never lose that gift. It remains with you to the day you die because it's implanted in your spirit. We may not use it, but it's still there. All right, so Satan has this ability to transform himself into an angel of light. All right, and the Bible, it talks about how he masquerades around. He pretends to be an angel of light. All right, and here's something you really have to grasp. You really have to hold on to. All right, you got to understand this and grasp it. All right, the Bible tells us in Psalms 34, 7, he says, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them, right? So if you are fearing the Lord, and what does it mean to fear the Lord? In this context, it's talking about you reverence the Lord. You respect the Lord. You don't have this, oh, it's okay to sin. God knows my heart mentality. I can do what I want. When you don't do what you know is right, you get a conviction on the inside. All right, that's the fear that the Bible is talking about in this context. All right, we fear him. And it says, because we fear him in that context, he says, the angel of the Lord encamps. He hangs out and he waits for an attack and he refutes the attack. He delivers you from when you get in trouble. All right, so we are protected and delivered when we fear the Lord. It says this, though, in Proverbs 29, 25, you need to catch this. The word of God tells us that the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. There's two different fears that exist here. There's the fear of the Lord and there's the fear of man. Now we could look at it both ways. Is he talking about the fear that a man has or is it talking about the fear of men, the fear of a human being? Either way it go, it's not the fear that exists when he's talking about reverence in God. And here's what the Bible says. It says that it brings a snare. It says you become trapped when you have this kind of fear, this fear that contradicts the fear that the word of God says. And what snare is he talking about? If you read in the letter that Timothy, that excuse me, that Paul writes to uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy, 
uh, chapter 2, verse 14, he says to his brother about, he's talking to him about the approved and the disapproved workers. Who actually looks like uh, God's followers, his true disciples, his apostles, all right? And he tells you how you ought to carry yourself. And if you go down to verse 24, he says, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. He said, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Now, listen to this, that they may come to hear to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. How did they get into being captive by the devil? It says that they were ensnared by him to do his will. Well, if you look at what was talked about back in Psalms, or excuse me, in Proverbs, the fear of man. I believe it could be either one of the fears. I'm afraid that I'm not going to have enough food to eat. I'm afraid that my health is going to be inflicted and I'm not going to uh, be healed. I'm afraid that the government's going to shut down and we're not going to have any assistance, whatever the case may be. Or I'm afraid that if I stand on God's word and I'm bold about it, people are not going to like me. They're going to blackball me. They're going to tell me to leave the job, whatever the case may be. Either way it go, those fears is what ensnares a person. And when we develop those fears that ensnares us, we get caught up doing the will of Satan. And he says that if God will grant them repentance. See, we ask for repentance, but God got to grant it to you. So that you can come out of, the only way to come out of this world, to come out of this life of living in the fear that doesn't reflect the word of God, we have to receive repentance. We have to repent, receive it, and move out of it. So when you look at this, these different scriptures, and you look at these different truths, I want you guys to understand something. Paul was talking about Satan having the ability to transform himself in the angel of, of to an angel of light, basically a false light guiding people through a false faith, a false belief of who Jesus Christ is. All right, he wasn't writing to the world. He wasn't writing to any king or any uh, community or any, he was writing to the people of God, all right? So if he's writing to the people of God, and he's talking about this, that Satan has got into the church. He's even got into these, these false apostles, these false disciples have got into the, the body of believers and leading people astray with the false light. How much more is Satan out there running the world? He's having a blast. They're, these institutions that do not stand on God's word, do not reflect Jesus Christ, do not even speak of his word, they are being controlled by Satan, period. There's no other way to look at it. You know, and in John, uh, first, first John 5, 9, it says that we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies under the sway 
of the wicked one. The whole world. Period. You know, I know we say, well, you know what? This might be a great opportunity for me to get into this, uh, uh, this, this partnership with this business or take this job or go see this particular physician, whatever the case may be, unless they are reflecting the servant of the Lord that Paul talks about when he writes to his brother in Timothy, then they are under the sway of the wicked one. All these folks out here protesting and all that is, is in short, Satan's work. That's it. It's a deception. It's a mirage. It's, it's, a, it's a facade that's going on that makes you think that, oh, yeah, we're going to get this done and we're going we're gonna to create freedom. We're going to do all these different things. No, you are being led by someone who is masquerading around as an angel of light. And it's so important to understand this because many of us have been led falsely around through these ideas, these beliefs, and these systems that in the, the day, they are appealing to the flesh. And they do not give God the glory because the flesh cannot give God the glory. This is why God said that he chose these things that don't look consistent to the world's idea of whatever it is, success, joy, peace, happiness. He said he chose these foolish things. The world says that's that's crazy. That's dumb. That doesn't make any sense. He said those are things that God has chosen. And the reason why, so that no flesh may glory. But in order for us to understand this truth, to receive this truth, understand it, and even walk in it, it takes the Holy Spirit. Not seminary school, not group Bible study, not even this call. Because this call can simply be, you know, some good information. It's, uh, you know, it's a little inspiring and, you know, it kind of rubs you like a certain way, make you want to get up and do something. But it's the Holy Spirit that lets you not only understand this truth, receive this truth, but walk in this truth. And like I've said many times before, Make no mistake about it. If the disciples who walked with the Messiah couldn't get it. And when it was time for them to show up and do what they believed to stand for Jesus Christ when he went to the cross and they went several different directions, they all scattered and went about. How much more are we doing that if we don't have the Holy Ghost? We never even seen Jesus Christ. But it wasn't until they were obedient, denied themselves, and they went and stayed till they received the gift of the Father, the Holy Ghost, that they were empowered to get everything Jesus Christ was talking about and do it. I'm sure along the way, them being human beings, they didn't make every right decision. They didn't perfect everything. In fact, there was a time where Paul had to really get into it with Peter because Peter was standing in judgment and contradicting himself as a hypocrite when he was trying to be a Gentile and a Jew at the same time. So we don't, none of us can perfect this faith 100%, but it was only Peter's receiving of the Holy Spirit that allowed him to even humble himself and receive what Paul was bringing to him. 
instead of trying to fight back and refute and argue and have all these quarreling, all these different things that even Paul talks about in his letter to Timothy, that really, you know, we see going today that breaks down the faith. It breaks down the faith among those who say they're of the faith. Jesus Christ said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And he did not say go and make Christians. And he did not say go to church. He said go and make disciples. He said you are the church. When he talked about on this rock, I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. He wasn't talking about that 25 acre thousand dollar member congregation that's constantly flying the pastor all over the nation and the crowd just keeps showing up and they're tithing they're dropping this and they got so many programs he was talking about that individual who put themselves aside who humbled themselves who accepted this faith received the holy spirit and decided that they're going to walk in this faith he said, when you made that decision and you received my spirit, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. So you have to ask yourself, if that's the case, then why are so many people who say they believe being whooped in their spirit, in their mind? So many Christians now saying they have mental health problems. I remember the word of God saying, whom Christ has set free is free indeed. Looking at that is just another idea of how the enemy has warped the ideas, the minds, the, the ways of the believers. There is no such thing as mental health issues for a Christian. If that's the case, then we can just go ahead and say Jesus was a fanatic and he lied. Because the Bible says that in me, you shall have peace. He said, my peace I give unto thee, not as the world gives. So if somebody said, look, you want some peace? Come over here and get two counseling sessions a week. And we're going to work you into some peace. No, that's how the world gives it. We get that peace from God when we do the thing that don't even make any sense. We just cast it on him and leave it at that. That's where we get that peace. If we want that peace. And all the other things that God has called us to. So remember, saints, we are in a fight. This is a warfare. John said that we have to contend for the faith. And that contending, that battle, that warfare starts in the mind of every believer. Long before, long before you get to church on Sunday morning. And after you leave church and have to deal with what goes on on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all throughout the week. We are the church. And we have to fight like we are the church. And we fight with the word of God. This is a spiritual warfare. We can't counsel out demons. When Jesus came against that demon that was, was a legion, 6,000 different demons in one man, he didn't sit down and have a counseling session with him. He simply commanded him. He said, come out of that man. He spoke infallible truth. And he didn't obviously doubt what he said or what he believed. He spoke it. And we have that same authority when we walk in the name of Jesus Christ with the leadership of the Holy Ghost. 
So we need to know who is really running this world. We need to know who is actually a false apostle, who, who's masquerading around as an angel of light. And the only way to really know that is to give back to the word of God. Particularly during the time that Jesus Christ and Paul walked the earth. Because they constantly pointed out what we ought to look like. If we say we believe. Who we ought to reflect. So that way we're not led astray. And when we're hit with the storm that we're all going to get hit with, it's, in, it's unavoidable. We can't, we can't escape it. We can't say we believe. We can't come into this faith and not get rocked. It's just, it's going to happen. But when we're hit, we're going through the storm as Jesus Christ said. Not as the world said. We are making do with being defeated. We found us a nice little comfortable spot in defeat. Well, I'm just going to get this little lot in life and settle in and, hey, going about my life. When the world is coming apart and collapsing and when everything is falling through, we're supposed to walk on water. As he said, I have chosen the foolish things to shame the wise. The wise thing that's quote unquote happening now is that everybody's struggling and suffering. It's a shame, but it's true. But we who believe in the one who overcame the world, we shouldn't be in the same boat as the rest of the world. And that goes in all categories. Let's put financial at the bottom of the list. Let's start talking about the top of the list where it's our emotions, our, our, our state of being, our feelings, our spirit. We should be, when everybody's depressed and defeated, we should be walking high. The world shouldn't sway us like it does everyone else. You know, in First John, it talks about that. It says, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway or the control of the wicked one. So we shouldn't be moved by what happens around us. No disease, no economic situation, period. That's God's word. And that is also his promise to us. He said, because the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. In fact, it says encamps all about those. That means you shouldn't be getting hit on the left and defeated on the left or the right or the front or the back because that angel is literally circling you. If you fear God and he's defeating every enemy, every attack that's coming against us. That spiritual warfare that we're dealing with. So I want to encourage us to really start looking in the scriptures when we start our day, looking in the word and getting back to the root of the truth. Because as the world gets uglier, more people are going to fall away. This was prophesied to come and it's happening as we speak. Let's not be the one who shrinks back in the faith because of 
we've had some wrong idea or somebody who we thought was bringing forth the truth was actually setting us up for a lie. Just like they talk about tithing. We all heard it. We all know about it. Will a man rob God? I'm sure we all heard that scripture, right? Malachi. And then you sit back and you have that guilt come over you like, oh man, I'm robbing God. I ain't, I ain't tithing what I'm going to do. I don't want to give up this money. All right, well, let me just throw it in a plate so I ain't robbing God. And don't realize you just put a curse over yourself. Because the word of God tells us that what Jesus Christ did on the cross had redeemed us from the curse of the law. So we are no longer bound to the law. So when we start trying to walk in the law, we bring a curse over ourselves because none of us can fulfill the whole law. We can't. That was the reason Christ came. That was the purpose, one of the biggest reasons why he was sent to the earth, to redeem men from the fact that they can't fulfill the law. But you have a pastor stand up there and will lie to the congregation, plead, beg, whine, and all different things they do to get, to get you swayed or control you to put money in there out of guilt. And the only thing you'll find in, in the New Testament scripture, post Christ's cross, and when the Apostle Paul walked the earth, was that he said that God, whatever God's put on your heart, that's what you give. He said, because God loves a cheerful giver, not manage a 10% tithe every Sunday or two weeks or whenever you get paid. So those are some of the truths we have to understand about Satan because we may think we follow in the light of Christ. But Paul clearly says that they are masking the raid around. They are pretending. And they're obviously doing a great job at it because there's mass people following or at least trying to follow the law and not Christ. So I just want to encourage everybody to know the word of God, read the word of God, study the word of God. Don't leave it up to anybody, me or anybody, for that check off of whether you know his will, his word. Study for yourself. Read it for yourself. Vet it for yourself. Test every spirit so we can do the will of God. It's important. It's important. I'm going to tell you how important it is. Jesus said this. This is how important it is to do his will. His will. Not mine. Not anybody else. His will. He said, not many who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, but only those who do the will of my father. That's it. So there's there's some, some people's or some workers' will that's going forth that's being done, but is it God's will? And we won't know that until we are led by the Holy Spirit and we're testing every spirit. We can't get complacent in this faith. Oh, this is my pastor for 20 years. And your pastor not going to stand before Jesus Christ on judgment day and be your lawyer. He's not going to advocate for you. He can't. He going to court the same day you going to court. He got the same charges you got.
So we got to do this thing, you know, study to show yourself approved unto God. Rightly divide his word. Oh, man, there's so many things I hear today that are so wrongly dividing God's word. I, I can't imagine being in that place where I don't know to go into my prayer closet and pray to God. Where I don't have that, that conviction inside of me that says, pick up that word and read it. Study that word for yourself. I couldn't imagine living in this time like that. Oh, no. It, <laughs> I mean, it's just too crazy out there. We who are the light of Christ have to keep shining that light and planting that seed and make sure at the end of the day, we are humbly submitting to the leadership of the Holy Spirit so we can navigate this darkness with the truth that is given to us through the infallible and indisputable word of God. So that's all I wanted to share tonight. I thank you all for listening. It's a blessing, as I say, always to be here to share. Um, I've been fired up about this word all week. I wanted to actually get on here earlier and talk about it. But, you know, God has a time and a season for everything. And I believe this word was on time and, and of course, divine. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for giving us favor, for giving us grace, for giving us mercy. Thank you for your word, your truth. I know that the enemy is defeated. I know that your will is done. And I pray that all those who listen will know the same truth and walk in that calling. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.